Hi. So as Doralee said, my name is Susan Farrar, and um, I primarily practice in the Tibetan tradition um, with the, in the same lineage as um, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, the Galupa tradition. Um, and what I'm going to share with you tonight is one of our practices, um, uh, Medicine Buddha practice. So Anthony, in a little while, is going to display an image of Medicine Buddha. This sounds really loud. Is it okay? No? Okay. Um, so Anthony, in a few minutes, is going to uh, share an image of Medicine Buddha um, for the first part of the talk, and then later he's going to display this text that you all have hard copies of, but the zoo people will be able to to see the text. Um, so this is actually also kind of timely, particularly for the people that are going to Black Mountain, which is a Nigma Tibetan Buddhist um, retreat center, I understand. I haven't been there, but it's one of the other traditions in the Tibetan um, lineage. So Medicine Buddha is what we call a deity practice. Um, we have a lot of tools in the Tibetan tradition for accessing and working with our minds and working with our emotions, our confusion, delusions. Um, for instance, just like you, we have shamatha meditation, vipassana meditation. There are other kinds of meditation, tonglen, for exist, uh, example. Um, we have mind training uh, slogans called lojong, which is uh, Tibetan for mind training. And um, Norman Fisher actually has written a uh, commentary on the, the Lojong slogans, which is really good. Um, we have mantra recitation and a number of other kinds of tools and, and practices that we do that help us get beyond ordinary mind and try to get a little bit deeper into the more subtle levels of consciousness. And these structured meditations, like the one that we're going to go through tonight, is one of the tools that we use to get beyond or underneath ordinary mind. So as you know, there are many meditational deities. There's in the Tonkas around here, there's Shakyamuni over there, Manzushri, White Tara. Um, these are all archetypes of um, our own deepest nature. Manzushri is an archetype of wisdom, Avalokiteshvara and compassion. Um, green Tara and skillful action. White Tara is um, a deity that we generally associate with uh, purification and long life. And Medicine Buddha is, as you would guess, a deity that has to do with healing. So deity yoga utilizes a meditation text called a sadhana. And it guides the practitioner using lots of techniques, primarily visualizations, very, very big on visualizations. But there's also mantra recitation in here. There is prayers. There are meditations. So it's a mixture of the different kinds of techniques, all built within these meditation texts. 
Um, it's basically an energy practice. Um, it's using imagination to harness our ability to evolve from our limited, deluded egos into hopefully a being of unlimited compassion and wisdom. That's the, that's where we want to go. So, um, actually, I just ran across this this morning when I was studying. Um, it's a, one of the books that I'm studying. And she has this really much better explanation of visualizations and why to use visualizations and what I wrote. So I'm going to read what a true scholar wrote. So she said, would you climb a mountain if you hadn't already imagined what it would be like when you reach the top? Likewise, long before we get there, we intuit or imagine meditation wisdom, which offers a view truer than what we see right now. Intuition feeds imagination. Your ability to imagine as you read and to practice story meditations, and that's what she's calling these sadness story meditations, brings the past to life. And so we do well to distinguish our trained and intentional imagining from other kinds of fantasy building that only whisks us away from our true presence. So we imagine all the time. Right? But this is intentional imagination. This is intentional visualizations. So this is the premise for a wide spectrum of sutra and tantric practices. And in modern time, for training in everything from sports to self-assertiveness. Right? So, I mean, we all know the sports figures have been using visualizations and imagination for ever to to practice, right? So it's very common. And we did it when, as kids all the time. So what can we get from reciting this Medicine Buddha text? So I asked a few people in my Sangha who I know have been using um, Medicine Buddha practice for quite a while. So I asked them to share with me how Medicine Buddha practice impacts them. And here's um, what one guy wrote. He said, I've been doing the Medicine Buddha practice for several years. I've found it helpful to recite the practice for family members who are ill. Doing the practice for others is where it starts for me. But the result is that I feel energy and motivation to keep going when I am exhausted and worn out. Tell you, this guy is a nurse, by the way, in cardiac. I have hit the wall many times with family and work. It is almost like the Medicine Buddha made this commitment to help living beings no matter what. Somehow the practice has transferred this attitude to me. He's got a pretty heavy-duty job. So, who is Medicine Buddha? So Medicine Buddha is introduced to us in a sutra called the Master of Healing. I do not know the origin of this sutra. I tried to find out, but I don't know. Um, 
if it's Indian or Tibetan or Chinese, I, I really don't know what it is, but it's called the um, Sutra of the Master of Healing. And this is a foundational story, like all the sutras, these Mahayana sutras that we read are. And this one is told uh, by Shakyamuni, and he's talking to Manjushri. A little while later, Ananda comes into it. It's a fairly short sutra. Um, we learn that the master of healing Buddha is called Azure, Radiance Tathagata, so therefore the blue for Azure. Um, and he's in a world called the Pure Crystal Realm, which sounds like a pretty nice place. And when he became a bodhisattva, he made a number of vows. He made 12 vows that when he became a Buddha, this is what he would do. So I'm not going to read them all. But for instance, he says, I vow after having attained perfect enlightenment, I should grant by means of boundless wisdom to all beings the inexhaustible things that they may need and that they may be free from any want. He says, I vow that after having attained perfect enlightenment, those beings with imperfect senses or sick in many respects shall, all of them, when they hear my name, regain normal appearance, become intelligent, and all their senses shall be perfectly restored and they shall not suffer from disease. And then I'm going to read the seventh vow. It's very encompassing. I vow that after my reincarnation and having attained perfect enlightenment, those who are tormented by disease, who have nobody to whom they can seek for help, without a refuge, without a doctor, without medicine, without relatives, without a home, these poor and miserable beings shall, all of them, be free from diseases and troubles and shall enjoy perfect health of body and mind once my name reaches their ears. They shall have families, friends, and properties aplenty and shall all be brought to the supreme enlightenment of Buddha. So that's an example of these rather amazing aspirations. Very Mahayana, right? So the sutra also um, introduces the mantra, and we'll be doing some mantra recitation. And Shakyamuni tells Manjushri that um, if you see a pious man or woman who suffers from a disease, you shall do the following for those sick people. Recite the mantra 108 times, and then all diseases will disappear. I'm thinking um, of Barry's experience. And I mean, that's, that's what I would have immediately started doing is reciting mantra, because it's just, that's my training. You know, I just immediately, I also carry, well, no, never mind, I won't go into that. But um, so, yeah, that's, that's like immediately, I see the stuff and I just, whoa, start doing mantra because I don't know what else to do with it, pray, right? So anyway, so, at the end of the sutra, Shakyamuni says, Therefore, I now ask all beings to light up the lamps and hang the banners, to set free the animals and do good deeds so that misery and grief can be overcome and life's hardships can be avoided. 
So from these sutras, these meditation texts are developed. Um, this text um, is a fairly long one, much longer than the one we're going to do tonight. It takes, oh, depending on how long we do mantra and how long and how often we do throw in meditations. Um, it's an hour to an hour and a half. Um, it was written about the beginning of the 1600s by the fourth Panchen Lama. Um, and so what he did is he took the sutra and he developed this. And we've been using it ever since. Um, the one we're going to use is sort of a modification of this one. Um, these meditations texts, um, many of us do them alone at home during our regular practice. I'll tend to do Medicine Buddha. I've got a number of them, and I'll do them oh, as the need strikes. I don't have a set routine at all, but I'll just, today I need to do this. Today is the day I need to do Green Tara. I need a whole bunch of energy, so I'll do Green Tara. Or um, I witnessed and was with somebody who was really sick, and so I'll do Medicine Buddha for them. But we also do them in groups. We have um, practices every Friday night um, where we will do one of the meditational texts, one of the sadhanas. So these sadhanas bring forth a visionary world. Um, it's like the teachers who develop these texts say, okay, now you've read the story. You've read the sutra. Here's the roadmap on how to actualize it. Here's how you can go about obtaining, cultivating those qualities that the Medicine Buddha has. That's how you can start to bring it out. You have it. This is how you uncover it, is using something like this. So, again, this is to get beyond ordinary mind and to get into these more subtle levels of consciousness. So the quality that we're focusing on here is healing. So you do a little bit of prep before you go into doing these, these um, practices. And with Medicine Buddha, for instance, um, what we're focusing on is healing. And so I'm going to ask myself right now, what kind of healing can I do? in this time, in this body, right now, what does healing mean to me? What do I need? Or what does somebody else need? But what's needed? It isn't always the same. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's, you know, mental. It's going to be, it's going to be different, right? Depending on if you're doing it for yourself, or if you're doing it for others. So, initially, of course, you think, well, you know, what healing is really compassion and empathy. But it really kind of goes deeper and beyond that. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to give energy. It's a commitment to give of yourself, to be generous, to be friendly, to be kind, to be caring. It's a commitment. It's more than just doing a loving-kindness practice, for instance. I mean, it's, it's subtle, but there is a difference. At least to me, there is. Um, it's a way of stimulating our own healing capacity and maybe even st stimulating the capacity in somebody else. 
Um, during COVID, um, I listened to a series of teachings given by Tupton Chodron, who is the abbess of a monastery in Eastern Washington, and she gave about 10 lectures on Medicine Buddha. And she said to think, and this was during COVID, so it made sense what she was saying, but it makes sense now too. Um, to said, she said to think of all the energy and the perseverance and the patience it takes to just hang in there. The vow is to just stick with it, just to keep practicing, to build inner strength and maybe even help others. So maybe that's healing. Maybe that's what it is. Just, Or at least sometimes maybe that's all you need is I just need the strength and the perseverance to stick with it for another day. It's a tough day. So maybe that's healing for that time. Lama says that this is a life force practice. It's a little like chaplaincy. So when a chaplain walks into a hospital room or, or into a, a patient's home, you've got no idea particularly, specifically what's needed. But what is definitely known is that we all need emotional ease and repair. It's a life force practice, not an analytical practice. And it's actually meant foremost to help the practitioner. Um, if you remember that thing that I, I read that um, my friend told me, he says, um, doing the practice for others is where it starts for me, but the result is that I feel energy and motivation to keep going when I'm exhausted and worn out. So primarily, this is a practice for the practitioner. It sort of is a way of revitalizing, of restoring energy, restoring your resilience, building your resilience, whatever it is that we need to heal. So... We are going to actually go through the practice. Um, so, Anthony, let's take a look at the image first. Um, you all have the image on the cover there, but this is another image um, of Medicine Buddha. So we're going to go through this practice, and um, at certain points, I'm just going to jump in and, and, and make some comments. Um, but looking at this image, we're looking at Medicine Buddha's blue body. It's open, transparent, and tranquil, like the sky. So these images, all these images that are in the Tonkas, and this image, they are made of light. In this case, it's blue light. These are not solid at all. These are, these are like holograms. So it's blue light, and it's completely transparent. Um, the Medicine Buddha's eyes are open, right? And they're receptive to clearer seeing. This is part of the prep before you actually start. 
What is healing? And then what is, what, what is this that I'm looking at here? So um, the eyes are open and they're receptive. He's holding a plant, an aurora plant, and a bowl of nectar. And these are medicines for body, speech, and mind. And they have no bad side effects. They are pure. And it symbolizes that all of life around us is medicine. Everything is medicine. We are connected with everything. We have a beneficial relationship with the world. So all of this is to remind me that I need to enter the practice open, relaxed, and receptive. And I've got to have every confidence that the time I'm going to spend doing this practice and that the medicine being offered to me, by me, and being receptive to whatever out there in the universe I can pick up from, all of this is going to be beneficial to body, speech, and mind. So, with that kind of prep, you begin by visualizing the Medicine Buddha. So allowing the whole picture to develop. So it's a, again, it's, it's a picture, it's a visualization made of light, representing wellness, health, and tranquility. Whatever it is that's needed right now for you to heal. So you can um, either just read along with me and we read these out loud together or not. You don't need to at all. This is just totally up to you. Just follow along either any way that you want. Uh, and while we do the visualizations, remain really flexible with them. Uh, they're going to say that to put the Medicine Buddha on top of your head, I almost always put it in front of me. I can see it better that way. I can visualize it better. Um, and don't get caught up in the details. Just try to bring the presence. Try to bring the energy. Just a blue sphere is enough. You don't have to get all caught up in all the details. Okay, so that's the Medicine Buddha, and now you've got the text. Thank you, Anthony. Okay, so you can either read with me or just listen. But I'm going to read the first visualization. Above the crown of your head, upon a lotus and a moon disc, is the Medicine Buddha. His body is blue in color, and blue light radiates from him in all directions. His right hand, in the gesture of granting sublime realizations, rests on his right knee and holds the stem of an aurora plant between his thumb and index finger. His left hand, in the gesture of concentration, holds the lapis lazuli bowl filled with medicinal nectar. He is seated in the vajra posture, wearing the three saffron robes of a monk, and has the signs and marks of a Buddha. So now we're going to clarify our motivation and our intention by taking refuge and stating the bodhisattva aspiration, and then we'll do the seven-limb prayer. Normally, um, the refuge bodhicitta prayer we do three times, but we can just do it once tonight. I take refuge until I'm enlightened in the Buddhas, the Dharma, and the Sangha, through the merit I create by practicing giving and the other perfections 
May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. Reverently, I prostrate with my body, speech, and mind to Guru, Medicine, Buddha, and present clouds of every type of offering, actual and mentally transformed. I confess all my negative actions accumulated since beginningless time and rejoice in the virtues of all holy and ordinary beings. Please remain until cyclic existence ends and turn the wheel of Dharma for sentient beings. I dedicate all the virtues of myself and others to the great enlightenment. So on the next page are our requests to the Buddha. And we're requesting the Buddha to inspire my mind. So like, what does that mean? So one interpretation is, you know, I can't guide myself all alone. I can't do this by myself. I need help. And I'm just requesting the Buddha to help me, transform my mind, help me be more receptive, help me be more open, help me with whatever it is I need to heal. Do I need to be more kind? Do I need to be more patient? Help me. Um, an analogy the Venerable Children used was that of a radio. She says, the energy waves of healing and compassion are constantly being sent in the ten, ten directions by all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. But their ability to get through depends on my receptivity, whether or not I've got the radio turned on and if I got the volume up high enough so that I can hear, so that I can feel the energy, so I can feel the waves of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. So I'm asking for encouragement to open me up, open up my mind so that I can be receptive to what's being given. So there's four requests, and we're going to do a short pause between each one. Um, try not to let your mind wander. Try to stay, keep that visualization there as much as you can. And we'll just do a short pause, not a meditation, but just a short pause between each one. I request you, Bhagavan, Master of Healing, whose sky-colored holy body of lapis lazuli signifies omniscient wisdom and compassion as vast as limitless space. Please inspire my mind. I request you, compassionate master of healing, who holds in your right hand the king of medicines, symbolizing your vow to help all sentient beings plagued by the 424 diseases. Please inspire my mind. I request you, compassionate master of healing, who holds in your left hand a bowl of nectar, symbolizing your vow to give the glorious undying nectar of Dharma to eliminate the degenerations of sickness, fear, stress, depression, grief, old age, and death. Please inspire my mind. I prostrate to go for refuge and make offerings to fully realize destroyer of all defilements completely perfected enlightened being who has realized the ultimate nature of all phenomena 
Medicine Buddha, King of Lapis Light, may your vow to benefit all sentient beings now ripen for myself and others. So, and remember, we're, we're talking to uh, an archetype who is us. So, the mantra, well, you can read the, the, the meaning of the mantra. I'm going to just go through it a couple of times because we'll be doing some mantra in just a few minutes. So there's a couple of ways of pronouncing this, but this is the way that we've been doing it. It's Tayata Om, Bekense Bekense, Maha Bekense, Rajasamagate Soha, Tayata Om, Bekense Bekense, Maha Bekense, Rajasamagate Soha, Tayata Om, Bekense Bekense, Maha Bekense, Rajasamagate Soha. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the other guys in, let's see, where was that? In my Sangha, I asked him what he thought, because he's been doing this practice with me for about 100 years. So he says, this is what, you know, I said, I continue to practice because I like the sadhana, which is easy to understand and is clearly for others as well as myself. I have noticed that the Medicine Buddha practice or even saying the mantra is most powerful when I am doing it with someone who said they really need the practice for themselves or one of their relatives. One time I repeated the mantra silently after someone I was volunteering with described some adverse health problems and I felt calm and love being generated as a result. So just he was just doing his volunteer thing but doing mantra for this person who had been telling him about her, her woes. That was, you know, the power of mantra. Okay. So, now we're going to do some more visualizing. This is healing for yourself. And we're going to do some visualizing and mantra recitation. So these following visualizations bring in the physical, emotional, and mental components of healing. And if you can, if you can do it, if you can actually let it work on you, it can be actually pretty effective. So we're going to read these two visualizations. And first we're going to feel our body being filled up with light. And as it drains away, all negativities are drained out of the body. And then again, we're going to be filled with light. And it's going to fill us with all good qualities. So when we get to doing the mantra, try to hold some components of the visualization while reciting the mantra. And we're not, I usually do a whole lot of mantra, but we're not going to. We're going to do um, uh, just a wrist mala, which is a half of, uh, it's a quarter of a round. Uh, malas are like, uh, yeah, you know this, they're like 108 beads. So a wrist mala is 27. So it's, it's a quarter. Um, Venerable Children had a interesting thing to say about mantra in those lectures that I was listening to. She said, while you're doing mantra, she said, what if you said, what if I what would it feel like if I just let myself heal from all the crap I'm dragging around with me? 
What if I just put it down? Put it aside, just put it down. Say the mantra and just let myself heal. That's the mantra. That's what you do during the mantra, using these visualizations. So we're going to do these visualizations and then we're going to do some mantra. We'll do, um, I'll do three of them out loud and then I'll just finish the round and we'll just do it silently. Okay? In response to your request, infinite blue rays of light stream down from the heart and body of the king of medicine. The light completely fills your body from head to toe, purifying all diseases. If you have any pain or any specific illnesses, focus the blue light directly to this spot and visualize the light burning away the pain and disease. All ailments due to interfering forces and the negative karma and mental obscurations that cause these, as well as anxiety, fear, negative emotions are also purified. These leave you in the form of dirty liquid, which then completely disappears. Your body becomes the nature of light, clean and clear like a crystal. Light from the Medicine Buddha again fills your body, bringing with it the realizations of the path and all the good qualities of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Your mind is transformed into love, compassion, and wisdom. While doing the visualizations, recite the mantra as much as possible. Tayata om bekanthe bekanthe maha bekanthe rajasama gate so Tayata om bekanthe bekanthe maha bekanthe rajasama gate so Tayata Om Bekanthi Bekanthi Maha Bekanthi Rajasamagate Soha Om Bekanthi Bekanthi Maha Bekanthi Rajasamagate Soha Okay, now we're going to read the absorption and then we're going to sit for about three minutes after the absorption. After reciting the mantra, the medicine Buddha melts into light, absorbs into your heart. Your mind becomes non-dual with the Buddha's Dharmakaya mind. So now we're going to do healing for others. So... Um, this visualization and absorption are similar and it reaches out to include others and wish them to be free of physical, mental, and emotional afflictions and suffering. And try to be specific. It works better with specificity. I mean, we all or most of us probably put names on that list, that the prayer list that we had this evening. Bring them here. Bring those people here, you know, just visualize them. It's just put them on your shoulder or an animal or somebody who is not living any longer. Bring them here and put them on your shoulder. Just feel their presence. You know, there's a, there's a lot of imagination in these things. They're very fun. Um, and so it really helps to be specific. 
Um, so again, we're going to do the visualization. We're going to do some mantra. And then we will uh, read the absorption. And then we're going to sit for three minutes. Okay. Visualize the Medicine Buddha on the crown of each living being's head. You may think specifically of those who are suffering and in need of healing. Do the visualization with the light first, purifying their diseases and their causes, and then bring them the realizations of the path to enlightenment. Recite the mantra. Imagine the medicine Buddha on the crown of each sentient being's head melting into light and being absorbed into their hearts bringing infinite peace, compassion, and wisdom. Okay, now we always end with dedication prayers. And before we do these short prayers, I want to read a poem that was offered by one of the Sangha members about her medicine Buddha practice. She wrote, The healing blue light of his body dissolves into me. He helps me understand that I am not alone or singled out or special that we all have our root poisons, attachment and clinging to one another, one thing or another. The compassionate care he gives me, the unconditional love and forgiveness extended to me, no matter how many times I make mistakes, the chance to confess and purify. Drinking the Dharma, an elixir he holds out, fills and cleanses me. His mantra encircles and protects me. I feel that I can hold my seat. I feel my connection to my Buddha family. I find the strength to continue along the path of love. So then we'll do these dedication prayers. And then I think we should have some time left. Oh yeah, we've got a few minutes left. Sorry, this went a little long. May the supreme jewel bodhicitta that has not arisen arise and grow, and may that which has arisen not diminish, but increase more and more. Through this virtuous action, may I quickly attain the state of medicine Buddha and lead every being without exception into that pure world, just like the guru medicine Buddha who guides all sentient beings with compassion as infinite as space. May I also become a compassionate guide of sentient beings who exist in all directions of the universe. So that's medicine Buddha practice.
So we've got time for a few questions or comments, if any. Susan, that was really, really beautiful. And I heard many, many years ago, um, someone once said that, you know, that a blue aura was healing. That what? A blue aura was a healing aura. But I never, I never had any idea where that came from, why someone would say it. And somehow it must have trickled in probably from this practice. Could so, be, yeah. It's, could it's, be. Uh, I didn't even know I had a question about that, but uh, <laughs> this is very nice to know. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Susan. That was just really powerful. And one of the things I notice is how the energy of this room has shifted, mm. has opened during your talk. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Yeah, these things do that. Yeah, yeah. No, I won't. <laughs> it would not have been appropriate. So uh, I hope I hope the uh, the Zendo isn't empty next week and they've all fled over to Lions Roar Dharma Center. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, I was just looking at this line um, that the Tibetan uh, and I I know I don't know any Tibetan except I know I think Rinpoche, which I see there in that first line under the. Uh, Bodhicitta, prayer mm-hmm. and dedication of merit, and, and, and is that a translation of bodhicitta? No, or Rinpoche bo- means precious teacher. It just oh, means precious, precious teacher. Okay. Yeah. So when you hear um, one of our teachers called so and so's Rinpoche, it just means precious. Oh, okay. So that 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 Tibetan there under that line isn't a repeat of uh, the. I don't think it's it. Maybe the supreme jewel. Maybe it's supreme and Rinpoche. Maybe. Oh, like, oh, maybe it's like precious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough Tibetan to to even guess. I know what Rinpoche means, but that's it. When, when uh, uh, let's see, uh, it's a few years ago, Karen and I went on a trip to Japan, and and we uh, uh, went to. Um, there's a there's a there's a Japanese sect there that that does mandala practice and um, I'm kind of forgetting the name of that sect now. But what is it? Well, was that was that a Shingon place? Shingon, yeah, yeah. When it it was kind of yeah it was yeah it was kind of a Shingon place I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. So I was looking at this mandala and uh, uh, on the on the uh, right there, is there anything you'd like to say about that uh, Medicine Buddha mandala for healing? Oh, the mandalas are a whole talk in themselves. Okay. They, these are this is a, a the three dimensional mandalas are 
they're, they're a palace. So they're, 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 but this is a bird's eye view of something that if you look straight on, it had many levels. And these are all doors leading into it. Those, those semicircles there, those are all doors leading into the mandala. It's, yeah, it's, I don't know enough about non-mandalas to actually talk about them. Some people I know do know a lot more about them than I do. Um, but they're all incredibly full of symbolism and, but they're, they're, they're where the Buddha lives. Oh, they're like, yeah, the, like you started out, you said that at the yeah, very beginning, he, like the Buddha lives in this precious, I, place of precious gems or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, or that's the world, I don't know, Yeah, I'm not sure, that's his palace, that's his house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh-huh. So you've got, um, the, well, there's, you've got to call a chakra mandala out there somewhere, um, that or you used to anyway, it was upside down, I remember, but <laughs> um, that, that's, that's the, the house we call a chakra in Shambhala is, so yeah, they're, it's a very, they're really complicated, and I don't know a lot about them, I hmm. just know they're three-dimensional, it's where the deity lives, and there's all sorts of protectors, and doors, and levels, and all sorts of stuff going on in them, yeah. Yeah, we went toxic. to this place where there was this, I mean, it was, it, there was two mandalas and the one on each side of this big building and they were, uh, like bigger than, you know, taller than this ceiling and I mean, they're, they're just huge, just, just huge, wow. huge, you know, mandalas. Was it a Shingon place? Yeah. Was it a Mount Koya? I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's Shingon, yeah. yeah. Very. It dawned on me during this talk or this practice, I don't actually know what a mantra is. Is it, um, is it always something, a visual saying? It means saying? mind I mean, protection. A... Mantra means mind protection. Okay, but is it always something you recite? Yeah. Okay, is it different than a Durrani? Oh, the a Durrani, oh gosh. A Durrani is a, yeah, yeah, it's a magic spell, right, right. But no, a mantra, every, there's lots of mantras. A Mani mantra is what everybody knows. Oh, Mani pay me whom, Mani pay me whom, Mani pay me. That's Jen Mezik's mantra, the mantra of compassion. So if you watch Tibetan lamas, they've got their malas, and they're going through it. And that's what they're doing. They're doing mani mantras. And are they the words of the Buddha? Or are they from sutras? Um, I mean, if this is going off topic, it's fine. Hmm? I, if this is going off topic, it's fine. It just, it well, don't I don't know if it's really... off topic. I just don't know. I mean, um, I know that the Medicine Buddha mantra is in this this in this sutra mm-hmm. is where it's introduced. But um... its meaning is not in the words. Hmm? Its meaning is not in the words. Right. Oh yeah. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it means mind protection. Okay. Thank so you so much. When you you're 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 going through all sorts of negative thoughts, drop it, start doing mantra. It'll push them right out. 
that's, that's the idea anyway. Um, well, I just really appreciated the, the healing for others, especially because um, and when I began the process, I kind of, my mind picked somebody to bring in. Yeah. Um, but then as I kept sitting with it, all of a sudden somebody else came in. And so I started to feel like the healing process was kind of beyond my choice, kind of. Like it was beginning to work to to bring the person that needed the healing, maybe. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so thank you. That happened with me also. It just kept growing, the, the people that needed healing. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that's terrific. Uh, and I was just curious, are you familiar with the Tibetans that come... The what? The, the Tibetans that come every year to Placerville? Um, I went up once a few years back. Um, oh, okay. I believe they're, they're Gaelic as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Anyway, they, they do a mandala. They have, right, they, they do mandalas like every year. They're here early January, and if anyone's interested, yeah. the Placerville Friends of Tibet is yeah. a good way yeah. to connect with them. Yeah, the sand, sand mandalas are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, just to watch them, you know, how yeah. they do that so interesting. And then they just... Yeah, the whole process yeah. is beautiful Whoa. to witness. <laughs> and then you get the sand. At, um, I, that's what I was going to say earlier. I've got several vials of Medicine Buddha mandala sand mm -hmm. and um, that I carry around in my car. And I've got some at home. And I see something dead. I put some sand on it, grab them. But yeah, so they hand out the sand after they they destroy the mandala. Mm -hmm. They bring it all together and then you go up with these little bags and you get little bags of blessed sand. Yeah, we're so fortunate to have them so close once a year. It's yeah, yeah. something that everyone should experience. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, we're probably pretty close to time. We better wrap it up. Just double checking. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah.